by the E The H and I see Reppin' New York City Live and direct Cause he always come correct yeah. When he does an interview It makes the streets all connect He stimulates the brain Be a mobile device And he smash like the Hulk When he claps you with advice It's all about the news When he drops and beats home yeah. So pay close attention Shit's about to explode Ladies and gentlemen, back on the show. He's a documentarian. He's a political analyst, Philip Arroyo. Philip, what's going on, man? How you doing, uh, man? It's, it's great to be on your show again. Uh, I believe the last time we spoke was like maybe like eight months ago, but it's, it's always good to be on your show. And thanks for inviting me again. Yeah, you know, we was we was trying to get together, and it was my fault. I apologize for that, but I'm glad you're back on. No problem. It's my pleasure. The last time we talked to you, you know, um, we were talking about the documentary on Puerto Rico, and um, there's a lot of stuff happening with you in Puerto Rico. Could you um, elaborate on that? Well, um, as you know, Puerto Rico is a U.S. colony. It's uh, basically subject to uh, U.S. congressional law, um, which was um, pretty much put in place to a series of cases called the infamous intro cases which basically deemed Puerto Rico as unincorporated territories, which basically means that um, uh, through uh, uh, racist Supreme Court decisions, uh, Puerto Ricans were deemed as pretty much not good enough to become a state, and therefore they would be deemed as unincorporated uh, territories, um, which would not have the same rights and privileges as all other American citizens, for example, the right to vote for president and the right to equal representation in Congress. Um, so as a result of that, Puerto Rico has been stagnant um, in a colonial uh, relationship with the United States, um, and the federal government will never acknowledge that it's called colonial in nature, but it's, it's pretty clear. When one nation controls the matters of another nation or another country, in this case another island, uh, in which its citizens in which its subjects cannot um, participate in, this, in, in the decision-making process, whether it's the direct vote to select the President of the United States or to equal representation in Congress. Uh, Puerto Rico has one non-voting member of Congress who can speak on the floor, get this, he can speak on the floor of the House of Representatives, but he can't vote. But that's a clear contradiction of what America stands for, and it's just another example of how the United States preaches about freedom and democracy in other countries, and yet totally um, contradicts themselves when they deny equal voting and representation rights to um, 3.5 million American citizens in Puerto Rico, which is more American citizens than 22 states. So that's something we've always been fighting for. Um, me personally, I've uh, in the past have supported statehood, um, but over, over time, and especially after November 2012, um, when the people of Puerto Rico voted overwhelmingly for Puerto Rico to become the 51st state of the nation with over 61% of the vote, and U.S. Congress and the federal government looked the other way. And the reason they looked the other way is because U.S. corporations and Wall Street have factories in their operations in Puerto Rico with a specific reason to evade U.S. corporate tax. For example, just so you can have an idea, Microsoft, one of the biggest donors to the Democratic Party, evaded in the year 2011, and I use the word evaded because that's truly what they're doing, even though it is illegal, 
um, they evaded $4.2 billion in U.S. corporate taxes by simply setting up a, a subsidiary plant in Puerto Rico. Wow. So you're talking about a company who got out of $4.2 billion in U.S. taxes, only created 177 jobs, and, you know, anybody who says that's not immoral, I don't know what, plan, what, what planet they're living on. But um, this this has been with Puerto Rico for a long time. Do you think now anything possibly can change at this juncture? Look, I honestly think that, and I don't want to sound pessimistic, but I think that our you know this nation needs strong leadership. This nation uh, needs leaders like Bobby Kennedy, like John F. Kennedy, people who are willing to put it all on the line, whether it's a political cost, whether it's a personal cost. People who are willing to put it all on the line to do the right thing. That's what this nation needs. This nation doesn't need any more politicians who sell out for, um, for a thousand bucks or for ten bucks. We need people who have integrity. We need leaders who have self-respect. And most importantly, we need leaders who follow their conscience and do not sell their conscience for ten bucks. And unfortunately, this nation is going through a very perilous path, especially after the U.S. Supreme Court decision in Citizens United, Citizens United case, where um, U.S. corporations were pretty much permitted to spend unlimited amounts of money in political campaigns. And it's dangerous, and it's dangerous in the sense that... Um, when arrogance, greed, and wealth become priorities in a nation, as it was in Rome, we all know what happened to Rome. It collapsed. And, you know, that path that the United States is taking is very dangerous. So now more than ever, we need people to speak up and do the right thing. And one of the first steps, um, one of the first steps in that direction of generating true change, not only in policy, but in the essence of the philosophy of how this nation is run, is solving Puerto Rico's political situation and treating its citizens with equality. Um, speaking about Puerto Rico and what's going on over there, do you feel the politicians now have put any focus on Puerto Rico at all? You mean politicians in Washington? Yes. No, unfortunately, that's one of the saddest stories of American democracy. Mm. The, the fact of the matter is that, unfortunately, who owns the U.S. Congress? I mean, the information is online. All you have to do is track donors of each member of Congress, and you will uh, legitimately conclude that U.S. corporations um, can pretty much own or buy the majority of members of Congress. And, and we go again. Um, you know, in Puerto Rico, you have Microsoft. A lot of people don't know this very interesting fact. Microsoft generates 49% of its revenue within, the, within this hemisphere through a plant they have set up in Huacao, Puerto Rico. That plant only generates 177 jobs, and those same positions are less paying positions than the same positions on the mainland. 
So, as a result of that, we're talking about a plant that generates 49% of the revenue of Microsoft within the hemisphere in exchange of the sweet tax break, which is immoral, in which Microsoft does not have to pay the U.S. Treasury over $4.2 billion money that could have been in the U.S. Treasury to be used for better schools, for better roads, for better transportation systems. That money never got to the U.S. Treasury. And it's sad because we have U.S. corporations saving billions of dollars at the expense of the misery and the suffering of the people of Puerto Rico. And I think that enough is enough. I think that the corporate exploitation of Puerto Rico has to come to an end. And unfortunately, um, we need, as I said before, we need leaders to step up willing to take political and personal hits to do the right thing. Because unfortunately, those corporations control both parties. As I mentioned, Microsoft, one of the biggest donors of the Democratic Party, they had that scheme down in Puerto Rico. And then you have Pfizer, the pharmaceutical company, one of the biggest donors of the Republican Party. They get down that tax, that sweet tax deal as well in Puerto Rico. So that's one of the reasons Puerto Rico would, will never become a state, um, in my opinion, because if it was a state, one of the reasons the corporations have their plants in Puerto Rico is that if they had their plants in the mainland United States, they would have to pay over 39% in U.S. corporate tax. In Puerto Rico, guess how much they pay? Much? Zero. Yeah. Zero. All they got to pay is a four point, uh, I'm sorry, a 4% global tax, which is, it, you know, it, it pales in comparison to 39%. I mean, 4%. You tell me, you're a big CEO, owner of your own company. Uh, where are you going to set up your, your, your factory? You're going to set it up in Puerto Rico because you're only going to pay 4% as opposed to 39%. So, Puerto Rico's never gonna, never gonna become a state um, because those U.S. corporations who are exploiting the island, who are profiting from the island at the expense of the misery of the people, um, they would never, never permit Puerto Rico to become a state and lose that tax, that tax, uh, that tax disincentive. Um, and to those corporations, you can follow the money. You know, one of the biggest solutions to many questions involving U.S. government. Uh, usually conclude with the following question, or actually the following uh, suggestion. Follow the money. And I actually did that. And if you do that exercise, I can tell you, if you, if you sit down on um, opensecrets.org and you track donations for all members of Congress, you will see that Pfizer and Microsoft, the same corporations who benefit from Puerto Rico's colonial system through its tax breaks, they have donated to every member of Congress. That is why, when the people of Puerto Rico voted overwhelmingly for statehood, Congress all of a sudden miraculously said, oh, the results weren't clear. Um, we're going to have to discuss it. Obviously, they said that, and they didn't act, because those CEOs of those corporations picked up the phone and, and called those members of Congress and said, how much money did I donate to your campaign? You better remember that. And unfortunately, that's how Washington works. That has to change. People of Puerto Rico deserve respect. I mean, we're talking about citizens who have gone to war for the United States, have given their lives, and now is the time for the United States to practice what it preaches worldwide. And that's by bestowing freedom and democracy to the 3.5 million American citizens in Puerto Rico. And if they're not willing to do it, and they're too greedy to do it, then they should give Puerto Rico independence the same way the United States fought for their independence when Great Britain 
oppress them much the same way the United States is oppressing Puerto Rico. This is insane that it's going on and, you know, stuff like this that you're telling me I really haven't heard about and um, a lot of stuff um, with Puerto Rico goes on. It's uh, it's a U.S. dirty little secret, as I call it. Yeah. You know, everything goes pretty much under the radar. Um, The politicians now with... um, um, Senator Cruz and Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and Sanders. Um, do you think they would focus their efforts on Puerto Rico? Any one of them? Well, you know what? Who knows? You know, the way Washington works, one of the things I have to say is that one of the positive, positive aspects of Hillary Clinton's position in terms of Puerto Rico is that she has been consistent in supporting the president to vote for the, for the people of Puerto Rico. I think that's a, a very strong step in the right direction. Um, Although I personally believe we need we need a lot more than that, um, but at least she's been consistent in supporting the presidential vote for Puerto Rico, and it's a step in the right direction. Now, the interesting thing about Bernie Sanders, and I must say that it's been um, kind of disappointing to me, mm-hmm. is that Bernie Sanders is a candidate who loves to take on corporations, as we all know, mm-hmm. and corporate exploitation. But for some curious reason, when he's been talking about offshore tax havens in the presidential debates, he never mentions Puerto Rico. Yeah. He only mentions Bermuda, Cayman Islands, etc. So I remember, like, during one of the early debates, I was scratching my head and I said, well, I was expecting Bernie to, like, blast the corporations who are profiting in Puerto Rico. And he did it. So what did I do? I looked up his donations and granted Bernie Sanders, the majority, overwhelming majority of his donations are from unions. Um, but he does receive a limited amount of corporate donations. And guess where those corporate donations come from? PR. Microsoft. Or Microsoft. <laughs> Microsoft. So, obviously, uh, you put two and two together, and I'm pretty sure that his campaign staff told him, hey, We need a Martin Luther King. 
we need leaders like them to step up and generate the change and the inspiration that this nation needs. With these candidates now, do you think, well, do you see any one of them as a leader? Well, of course, they're all leaders in their own respect. But none of them, in my opinion, have yet to show the courage of putting their conscience over donations and corporate influence. Mm. I still have faith in Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Um, I, I believe that the fact that Hillary has been consistent in supporting the presidential vote is, is positive, um, especially in a day and age in Washington, D.C., where um, politicians who flip-flop according to, you know, the... the the climate of season, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's the norm in D.C., flip-flopping politicians. But the fact Hillary has maintained herself um, pretty consistent since 2008, when she publicly supported the presidential vote during a rally when she was campaigning there in the primary against Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. She has been very consistent in favor of the presidential vote. But that's a perfect step. Um... But I would love to see, me personally, Philip, I would love to see a national leader take on U.S. corporations who are profiting in Puerto Rico directly and head on. That's what we need. And obviously that comes at a great sacrifice. But I think that the first step is the education process. I think that if we educate the masses about what's going on, as you mentioned when I, when I brought it up, you didn't know about this. The majority of the American people don't know about it. Um, they don't know about the corporate Wall Street scam in Puerto Rico. Um, all they hear about on the news is that Puerto Ricans um, don't got their stuff together and their economy is in a bad shape, but they don't know um, the reason behind it. And the reason behind it is that U.S. corporations on Wall Street have been exploiting the island for over a century, have been exploiting its soldiers for U.S. wars, and Puerto Ricans have gotten the short end of the stick. That's the story people don't know. That's the story people need to know. And in my personal view, the solution to Puerto Rico's financial crisis, and a lot of politicians in D.C. that say I'm crazy, but I think Washington, D.C. has to give Puerto Rico a bailout. Because if they're willing to give Wall Street a bailout, they should give Puerto Ricans a bailout for their debt, especially when they gave their sons and daughters in sacrifice in every U.S. major, uh, in every major U.S. war. And especially if you count all the billions they saved in the corporate tax incentive. So, yeah, that, that's my position. If they're willing to, if they're willing to bail out Wall Street, they should bail out Puerto Rico. Mm. Yeah, but do you think that would ever happen? I have faith. Yeah. You know, the, the you know the, the good Lord teaches us that the most important quality that, that one can have is faith to believe in what you cannot see. Mm. And I have faith in the leadership of this nation. I have faith in the future generations of this nation. Just last night, I was at a debate competition at Rollins College in Orlando. And I was at awe. I was at awe to see the talent I saw during that competition. There was a 15-year-old high school freshman, a young lady, who gave a, a passionate, inspiring speech about racial tensions in the United States. It's on my Facebook. Anybody wants to, live, to see the video, just look me up, Filippo Arroyo. And you'll see the video I posted it. I mean, younger generations like her give me hope. Even in, you know, in light of insurmountable 
and in what seemed to be impossible odds. People like her and future generations of this nation and the talent I see and the passion I see in their eyes, I just know and I have faith that we're going to be okay. But we have to step up. We can't stay quiet. We have to have courage to go against the system and ultimately do the right thing. And once we do that, this nation will be on track again to be one of the greatest nations in the world. Because as it is right now, it is not. Because when you treat, when you preach about freedom and democracy worldwide, and then you contradict yourself by denying that very same democracy that you preach worldwide, you're, you're showing yourself as a hypocrite. And basically, what the United States is doing is that it's proving that it is no longer the nation of freedom and democracy. And as I say to the United Nations, it has become the nation of hypocrisy. Well, it's it's just total in, insanity of what's going on and you know like you said like i'm honestly hearing this for the first time and i didn't know about the stuff that's happening in puerto rico but the thing is like the news doesn't tell you about it you watch cnn you watch fox you know you watch all these media outlets you know they don't really tell you the stuff that's going on like you know like donald trump is really dominating everything that's on the media um to get into donald trump um how do you think how you think he's going to do down the road in the whole political landscape? I think that um, I, I, I include myself among the, the majority of the American people, which I'm sure are shocked mm -hmm. um, in regards to the fact that somebody with so much hate, so much bigotry, and um, you know, a person that lacks any degree of acceptance to diversity, uh, somebody like Donald Trump is actually well on his way to getting the nomination to be the next um, candidate for president of the United States of the Republican Party. I think that that party has been hijacked by extremists and racists. I think the Republican Party has become uh, the place racists call home. And it's very sad um, that that party has tapped into the ra racism and the hate in this nation for political gain. And they have certainly found a voice in Donald Trump. And, um, and again, this is a very, very dangerous force that this nation is taking. Um, because just imagine Donald Trump as Commander-in-Chief of the U.S. Department of Defense, of our military. Somebody who said in a recent debate that when it came to national defense or international policy, he didn't have to consult with a joint chief of staff or any uh, international expert. So a person of that nature, a person so egotistical, um, through that conduct, represents grave danger for the United States of America. Just imagine that person making decisions unilaterally in regards to nuclear arms. It's a very, very scary thought. Um, but I have confidence that in November, uh, ultimately the people of this nation will rise against the occasion as they did in 2008, as they did in 2012, and vote for a leader, whether it's Bernie Sanders or whether it's Hillary Clinton, um, to keep our nation towards the path in which President Barack Obama set it on which is 
attached to recovery, um, the regaining of self-respect within the international community, and ultimately the revamping of the U.S. economy. We're well on our way. We can't change horse now. If you're on a winning horse, you can't change the person who's riding it. Hmm. We have to keep on, although the person has a, you know, in this case, President Barack Obama has a term limit, um, but the philosophy of the Democratic Party, um, the philosophy of putting the people first over U.S. corporations, over wealth, over the rich, that philosophy has to remain intact. And that is ultimately the key and the solution to making, ironically, I'm going to use uh, Donald Trump's campaign slogan, that philosophy that I just mentioned, the Democratic Party philosophy, is what will truly make America and continue to make America great again. Um, you think Obama's getting a bad rap? A lot of people are hating on Obama, especially now since he's going to leave office soon. Um, he's been getting a bad rap with Obamacare. Um, that you know he, you know he, um, you know people are mad at him because of the whole um, the, the the welfare thing and the, you know that you know everybody you know putting the blame on Obama, Obama this, Obama that. Um, do you feel that he's getting a bad rap on everything that's going on? Well, you know, one of the, I always like to say that one of the main duties of being president of the United States is, um, you know, getting blamed for everything. I think history has proven, and I have some friends of mine who are like, hey, Phil, would you ever run for president? I'm like, hell no, because you would get blamed for anything. And, you know, in my personal opinion, uh, I think, you know, President Barack Obama has been one of the best presidents this nation has had. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got health reform passed, uh, the Lilly Ledbetter Act, uh, you know, uh, Are you like shocked? I know we said we both said that you know shocking about how 
Donald Trump has excelled in the debates, but of the turnout that he has and almost the overwhelming support, it's, it's it's just astonishing to me that a lot of people are just hearing his rhetoric and just are supporting his ideas and everything that he does. And even in the debates, and even in the debates, he, he's going to build a wall. He doesn't explain how. It's like he just says, you know, it's going to it's going to be a wall. It's going to be great, and I'm the person to do it. But he doesn't elaborate. He doesn't answer why. It's almost like I'm watching WWE. It's a show you know like um, yeah. um do you do you feel that like he's just full of hot air and does he even have a plan oh of course of course he would be a horrible president um and, and you're absolutely right his arguments are totally superficial his uh, solutions if you can call it that um, are totally superficial he evades direct questions all the time and what really concerns me as a u.s citizen and um as a law student you know um what really, you know, what really concerns me is, you know, what has our education system become? Because at the end of the day, I have always said that the root of all problems in any country, whether it's social, economical, or political, the root is education. And the fact that there are so many people blindly following this man, many of which are fueled by hate, by bigotry and by racism, the fact that he is able to almost, and he will, quench the Republican nomination is befuddling, it's shocking, and quite honestly, it's internationally embarrassing. Um, but as I said, I, I have no doubt that if Hillary Clinton faces Donald Trump, Donald Trump is going to get whooped. And if it's Bernie Sanders, the result would be the same. Um, because I, I believe that the station at the end of the day uh, will clearly distinguish the differences between both candidates and they will make the right decision. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, um, from your mouth to God's ears because, um, you know, I hear what you're saying, but... You know, I, I didn't even think he would make it this far, and he made it this far. Even Rubio was out of the competition, and, you know, he's in it. For a guy who's a first-time, you know, nominee, it's just insane the overwhelming support that he's getting. I, and then you know what it is? He's getting so much media coverage. You know, he's getting exposure now because it's just fascinating. It's just so fascinating of what's going on and then just seeing the people that go to his um his his speeches you know and there a lot of them are like they, they seem like rednecks and they almost seem like you know they I, I don't know it's just it's just you know you have a perception of people then when you see the perception of the people that are there um they is almost like they're supporting they're embracing the hate they're embracing the hate uh-huh. it's just outrageous i think yeah you're absolutely right you, you made a good point in terms of the media coverage i think that Donald Trump has been very effective in uh, capitalizing and manipulating the media in his favor. Uh, and and we, we all know that he's been very effective with that. He was a reality show, so it's not surprising. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that um, in terms of the media, I think that one of the things that I saw at a, at a Trump rally recently was that I saw a banner saying the silent majority is speaking up. And I agree. There is a silent majority. Yeah. But it's a silent majority of racists mm-hmm. who have been quiet for so many years and now have, um, have found uh, a voice in, in Donald Trump. Yeah. And that's why he's been um, able to capitalize politically. 
and it has won him the nomination. You know, he's on his way to get the nomination. He will get the nomination. And it's because that campaign slogan is very true. Unfortunately, and sadly, it's true. There is a silent majority, but it's a silent majority of racists who have been quiet for years, and they have found a voice in him. But at the end of the day, um, Bill, Bill Clinton, um, I'm sorry, uh, Hillary Clinton, or Bernie Sanders, God bless Bill Clinton, I hope he can, I wish he could run again, but he can't. Um, they will defeat Donald Trump. I believe that that will be the ultimate result. And I have confidence in this nation. Yeah. And if Donald Trump in the remote case is elected president of the United States, this nation will be in a very dangerous and perilous course. Um, and I honestly would not feel safe living in this nation um, with a man like Donald Trump in charge of not only the domestic affairs of our nation, but most concerning is uh, serving as commander-in-chief and um, being in charge of international matters and military use. Was you shocked that he won Florida from Rubio? I actually wasn't. No? I actually wasn't because there is a perception that there's a lot of Latinos here and that that would have helped him. Yeah. Um, but I believe that at the end of the day, we're still in the South. Yeah. We're still in the South, and um, Tallahassee is controlled by the Florida uh, you know, uh, legislature, which is supermajority Republican. Um, and there's still a lot of racism here in Florida. I personally lived it. Um, I've been on the news before. I've been a victim of, you know, aggression by people who support the Confederate flag. Um, so when I moved here two years ago, I thought that the era of the 1960s had, um, had passed. But um, unfortunately, I had a rude uh, awakening call. And I, I realized that we're still in the South. Yeah. And uh, which is why I wasn't surprised at all uh, of the beating, because that's what it was. It was a beating uh, of Marco Rubio by Donald Trump because he only won in one county, which was Miami. <laughs> and um, it, it, it was really embarrassing. And, and, and that would explain why Jeb Bush was smarter than Marco Rubio in pulling out of the race because he, he wasn't going to go through the embarrassment of losing his own state. And Marco Rubio. He put his political career on the line. It's pretty much, it could be over. You never know, but it could be over. Um, because you getting beat that bad in your own city, yeah, you know, that's that's pretty tough for a politician. And um, But, you know, Marco Rubio um, pretty much brought it onto himself for his flip-flopping, his, his inconsistencies on, on, on the issues. So, you know, I'm very concerned in regards to the, the, the voters of the South. Uh, but again, as I mentioned before, I have faith and uh, the resolve of this nation. I have faith in that when election day comes, people will select a leader um, that will continue the path laid out by President Barack Obama, and um, we will ultimately defeat uh, those people who contradict and um, attack the very fiber of this nation, which is the fiber of equality, democracy, and liberty for all. Is Florida really a racist state that like that? Like, cause you know, I know a lot of Latinos who left New York to go to Florida because it's a cheaper way of living, as they say. But um, is it really? Is I'll say you live in Florida. Is it really that good? I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's a racist state. Yeah. I think that um, we've moved um, through history a lot farther to to eradicate um, such uh, you know. Such an extreme conclusion that an entire state is racist in nature. Yeah. I think that there are um, 
too many. Yeah. Um, you know, public officials who are racist. Yeah. And um, that doesn't come to a surprise since we're in the South. Um, I can tell you, I mean, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I organize, you know, cafeteria workers, custodians in um, the public school system here in Orange County. And uh, many of our workers have been victims of racial discrimination. Wow. Um, they've been prohibited from speaking Spanish on the job among themselves. Oh they've been blocked from promotions. Um, you know, just think about how hard it would be for you to be working 14 years as a custodian, 14 years as a maintenance employee, and that you've been waiting for that promotion after 14 years. And um, a person, Caucasian or white, comes in the next day, brand new employee, and gets a promotion. We still see that in Florida. It's happening as we speak. Wow. Um, but uh, thanks to the unions, uh, like the unions, uh, the American Federation of Teachers, uh, local unions uh, here in, in Orange County, um, people standing up for themselves, uh, employees, uh, workers standing up for themselves and giving a good fight, uh, that's how change and history is made in this nation. That's, that's what truly makes this nation great. Um, but if we don't stand up, if we don't come together, and we don't generate that change, nothing's going to happen. As Malcolm X used to say, when you want something, you take it. You don't wait for it, you take it. Mm-hmm. And that's what this nation has to do. We can't stay idle with our arms crossed and watch um, this uh, ridiculous circus of Donald Trump take over um, our nation and the future of our children. It's time to stand up. Everybody needs to stand up and everybody needs to vote. Um, how do you encourage like um, the young millennials out there? Um, you know, there's people who really don't know what's going on and, you know, they just see it as the flavor of the month. But um, how do you encourage young people to go out there, do your research and to vote? Well, you mentioned something very, very key, which is you use the word research. Yeah. And that goes hand in hand with education. Mm-hmm. I think that education is key. Um, in order to, you know, instruct our future generations about how our system of government works, who are the players, who are the influences, what's wrong, what's right, based on their own criteria and their, um, you know, uh, conclusions mm-hmm. and their uh, analytical thinking. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that our education system has to focus more on, analytical thinking, um, independent criteria, we have a lot of followers in this nation, you know. Some, you know, nowadays people see something on TV, they believe it. Donald Trump say something on TV, they believe it. Mm-hmm. It's very rare to see somebody actually sit down and do the research on themselves, come to their own conclusions. That's the culture that we have to develop. We can get there, um, but uh, again, I've always said this, and it's, it's been one of my great frustrations in politics. Um, because I was an undergraduate in education. Um, I work as an organizer in the education system. Um, but one of uh, the issues that I believe should be priorities in any country is the education system. And unfortunately, education has not been given the priority I believe it deserves. And um, the day we start doing that, we'll see real change in America. Um, but um, I, as I mentioned before, I'm confident that this November, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders, uh, the people of this nation will make the right decision, and we will ultimately uh, defeat Donald Trump. Mm. Between um, 
Bernie and Hillary, um, do you see like um, do you see either or um wavering um their um, political stance on certain subjects? Um, do you think um when they get to the finals, do you think we will hear more about Puerto Rico? You think when it gets down to like October I think, time? I I genuinely think that we will. And I'm gonna tell you why. It's not necessarily because um. Puerto Ricans on the island are a priority for the federal government, U.S. Congress, or U.S. politicians. I think it's the fact that there's such a huge influx of Puerto Ricans in Central Florida who may be decisive in this presidential election within the battleground state of Florida. Um, I think that that fact, the fact that Puerto Ricans here on the mainland United States are becoming more influential, I think that will make Puerto Rico um, a little more up front and center within the political dialogue and the public policy dialogue of this nation. And um, Hillary Clinton has always, always been a strong supporter of Puerto Rico. I mean, going back to 1998, um, when she came to the island after hurricane, a hurricane uh, severely hit the island, causing, you know, power shortages and extreme, extreme um, infrastructure collapse of the island. She was there in 1998 when she really didn't have any reason to be there. And a lot of Puerto Ricans uh, admire and they never forget that. Which is why um, Hillary Clinton obtained the biggest primary victory against Barack Obama um, after West Virginia in Puerto Rico where she prevailed by over 30%. Um, so I think that in terms of uh, solely Puerto Rico, I think that um, Hillary would be more uh, willing to attend Puerto Rican, issues, Puerto Rican issues. I could be wrong. You know, uh, Bernie Sanders' passion and, um, you know, his resolve to, to, to fight the system makes me optimistic in, in, in him taking on the task as well. Uh, but Hillary has more of a track record and consistency mm -hmm. in expressing support of Puerto Rico, so that, uh, that's why I believe um, I'm inclined uh, to say that Hillary would be more, um, you know, attentive to Puerto Rico's needs. But on the flip side, I can also argue that, and I've said this a million times, and I said it earlier during this program, the root cause of Puerto Rico's colonial system is the corporate exploitation on the island. And I think that Bernie Sanders um, presents an argument and uh, a discourse that directly attacks um, that root cause of colonialism in Puerto Rico. So... Maybe he could be the president that would eradicate the colonialism in Puerto Rico. But ultimately, that's a decision that the Democratic um, Party voters would decide on primaries. But they're already deciding. Um, and ultimately, on election day. So um, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, also, um, you know, Super Tuesday came and passed. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, CNN, Fox, you know, you hear everyone's opinions on each individual. Um, if, for the, you know, I know you're a fan of Hillary Clinton, but, um, if it came, if it came down to. Well, just, just to be, just to be, um, you know, for the record. Yes. I have always been a disciplined Democrat. And although I have been a huge Clinton fan. I have utmost respect for Bernie Sanders, and uh, I, I wouldn't tell any Democratic voter to vote a certain way or another. I think we have two great candidates. I think that um, when you compare um, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, 
to the entire Republican uh, presidential candidate um, pool, you will see the clear contrast in um, capacity, competency, and vision. And, and that's something that we, as Democrats, and um, as American citizens, should be very proud of. Yeah. I was going to ask you, um, what is your opinion on Ted Cruz? Ted who? <laughs> I have no opinion on Ted Cruz. <laughs> I think that he is, um, he's another version of Donald Trump, yeah. uh, unfortunately, and, and the fact that um, he carries a Hispanic surname, uh, you would think that he would be more um, sensible to the needs of the Hispanic community, um, and all he does is pretty much play into the rhetoric of hate and bigotry of the Republican Party, um, and apparently that's... You know, that's the modus operandi of surviving politically within the GOP. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if we want to if we want to stand back and look at uh, the GOP's political strategy objectively, you would have to conclude that the political advisors and the RNC are a bunch of lunatics. Mm. Because how can you explain to me that you permitted? And, and I'm saying this objectively. You know, I'm taking my Democratic Party hat off, and I'm, 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 I'm talking about this objectively as a political analyst. How do you permit that two of your most electable candidates, Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush, in my personal opinion, um, Marco Rubio, because he's Hispanic, could have got a good chunk of the Latino vote, who knows what it would have happened. Jeb Bush, granted he was a Bush, There's, you know, people have sour tastes, with that last name, but at the same time, he, everybody is in consensus that he was a purpose, and he actually spoke Spanish. So, in my opinion, those two candidates would have been very dangerous for Hillary Clinton, very dangerous candidates to any Democratic Party uh, candidate. Um, just the same way as I thought that Rudy Giuliani, uh, in 2007, posed the great threat to the Democratic Party uh, presidential hopefuls. Um, and what did they do? They got rid of him. I mean, we're talking about Rudy Giuliani, who is still writing the wave of popularity and name recognition from 9-11. You know, everybody loved him in the nation. He's yeah. been a great candidate for the GOP. What did they do? They got rid of him. He, he didn't even get past Florida. Um, and I was shocked to see how they got rid of their most electable candidates. Um, so I think that, you know, for the Democratic Party, this is a good thing. I don't want to sound overconfident. Um... But I think that the fact that the GOP has been hijacked by extremist, extremist, racist lunatics, and and I don't care about sounding politically correct, but that's pretty much the truth. Um, it only benefits the Democratic Party, which ultimately benefits this nation. I mean, I, you know, I know you talk about this a lot, especially down in Florida and a couple of shows you've been on. But um, are you, are you, you know, I, I know you're passionate about it, but are you like kind of sick about it, like what's going on, or you know, like do you feel that um, that with Hillary, that there's going to be the change that we all as Americans so desire? I think that under a Democratic uh, administration and um a Democratic majority in the House and the Senate. And you know what? It's, it's an honor to be on your show. And I, I got to tell you that I'm actually on a date. So you can you can understand, like, you know, the passion that I feel about, about this nation. But I think that this nation will move forward if we have a Democratic majority in the House, 
the Senate and in the White House. Um, obviously, that's the only way we can move this nation forward and generate true change. Um, because then at the end of the day, it's just going to be more divisiveness, more hatred, more bigotry. And um, we have to move away from that. And the first step in that direction is defeating Donald Trump and um, the racist Republican Party. And again, I don't care about sounding politically correct, but I think you can ask anybody nowadays, any average American, they will say that the Republican Party is synonymous to racism. Yeah. That is so true. Um, you know, and... You know, and, and I tell you, I've been saying that for years, and people would say, Phil, don't you think you're taking it too far? I'm like, no. Now they're looking back and saying, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. No. It's sad to admit it, but right. we can change that by voting for Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. Yeah, and you notice like the people that talk about it, you know, like they're like oblivious, like oh, this not this this world is fine, and you know they're not the minority, so like they don't understand, you know, the stuff that's going on, and um, they they don't feel the oppressions that other people have, and you know the way, you know, you, even you see at, like at the rallies with with Trump, it's like there's there's always like a fight there, you know, and he he yeah. like sort of entices the fights, even though he denies that he does. It's just. It's just I mean, insane. As I mentioned before, he's, he's a great manipulator of the media. I mean, that's that's how he got his recognition through his reality shows, and it's natural to see him manipulate the media in his favor. I mean, I don't think anybody um, would see that as, as surprising. Um, but the fact that so many people, you know, the average American within the Republican Party, actually find that discourse appealing, it's constraining, it's dangerous, it will set this nation on a perilous course. And um, I think that at the end of the day, when people will realize that um, in the general election, they're ultimately going to vote for um, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, Hillary has a huge edge, too, especially a lot of people love Bill Clinton, you know, especially in New York. They love Bill Clinton. And, you know. <laughs> right it's like almost you know even the whole the whole bill clinton scandal thing i think people loved him even more out of the whole scandal thing to be honest with you but you know i think i think he was a great president and you know though he hillary gets like the rub by default because of a bill sometimes even if you know the average um nine to five person who's not into political things will just vote for hillary just because bill clinton is her husband but um whatever i guess whatever works you know to get her into office will work but um you know like as for me you know it's it, it's hard because you know i hear good things from hillary i hear good things from you know sanders and you know sanders yeah, as, I, as i mentioned before um and i hate to pitch you off but you know i have nothing bad to say about bernie sanders i have nothing bad to say about hillary Clinton. i think they both have different styles yeah um different focuses you know uh, i like hillary clinton's um, resolving consistency in regards to Puerto Rico. Yeah. And on the other side, I love Bernie's passion to take on the system and big corporations. I I think we have two great candidates, and, and as I said before, um, whichever is elected after the primary is all said and done, I think we can stand back and say we're really proud of the candidates we've represented, as opposed to the Republican poll, which unfortunately cannot see that. They're actually an embarrassment to this nation, and you know, they, they embarrass the United States International. Yeah. Um, how would you, um, if you, you know, if you had, like, your ways of doing it, how would you get young people to vote, you know, because that, that's that's the, the key, you know. How could... It's a million-dollar question, and, and I, 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 I
I think it's the last question I, I, I can answer because I'm sort of like I'm in a hurry, but it's always a pleasure to be on, on your program. But how to get young people to vote, it's, it's a challenge. You know, it's a challenge, and I think it goes back to education. As I mentioned before, um, one of my big frustrations is that, you know, education is not an issue that seems to be a priority within the political dialogue. Uh, it should be. And I think that when we start with the education of the masses, we can um, educate our future generations about the importance of participating in, in the political system, uh, the importance of civic engagement, um, and the importance of actually generating change and not being complacent and saying, you know, with this pessimistic, uh, you know, mentality that, you know, we can't do anything when we really can. Yeah. Um, right. And the only way we can, we, can, we can move forward that culture and that mentality is through a democratic administration. Philip, thank you so much. Unplug your social media, plug your documentary, plug anything you want to plug. I really appreciate to be on the show, and again, it's, it's always good to speak with you, and, and it's always great to uh, you know share my views with the people in New York. And um, I'd be more than happy to be on your show again. I'm actually going to be there in June. to testifying in the United Nations again, so maybe we can meet up and be on your show again. Oh, definitely, definitely. I appreciate right. that. Yes, definitely. All right, well, you take care. All right, you have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one.